the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root, from Cardswire.com, the USA NFL Wire site, and we, well, well, I'm not going to number this episode because I don't know which one it'll be uh, actually released, but we have another of our 14 uh, opponent preview shows as as we enter the 2023 season. We're almost at training camp. It's something we've been doing the last several years is in July before training camp starts is kind of hitting up um, the NFL Wire uh, writers or editors to our sister sites for all the teams that the Cardinals are facing in 2023. And and in this episode, we've got Steelers Wire managing editor Kurt Popejoy, uh, a guy who's been uh, on the NFL Wire as long as I have. <laughs> uh, so we've been there a while. I've been here since 2016. Kurt, you, you've been in there. Were, were you on with Neil from the beginning or soon thereafter? <laughs> December of 2015, he hired me on. So yeah. So Kurt is 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 one of the few on the network who's been there longer than I have, which is which is pretty impressive. It's a good gig, and we get to do things that we love, talk about and write about our teams. So Kurt, That's welcome good. to the show. I believe this is the first time I've had you on because the Cardinals have not played the Steelers in a hot minute. Rip. Yep. I'm looking forward to it though. Yeah. I always like seeing new teams on the schedule, so yeah, I'm good with it. And and the the one thing that that is changing with the 17 game schedule, it means we get an extra uh, other conference matchup, which does mix things up a little bit. Instead instead of just the once every four years, which means you don't really know much about that other team, uh, which is which is you know. The Cardinals and the Steelers had a had a connection for a long time out, of course, because they went from Ken Wisenhunt to Bruce Arians, and mm-hmm. you know, late twenty late two thousands, Wisenhunt made it basically Steelers West. Um, Arians did it to some extent; he bought some guys over that, but they had coaches and, and players. So there's been a connection between the two franchises for quite some time. A little bit less now, so. What we want to kind of talk about, Kurt, in this in this show is basically kind of run down what happened last season, um, look at what's happened this offseason, and kind of the outlook for 2023. Um, the Steelers, I, I don't know how they managed to pull it off, but after a, after a bad start, they managed yeah. to keep Mike Tomlin's um, streak of winning seasons, finished 9-8. and eight. Um, Would you say... How would you say that they performed based on expectations last season? I think the first half of the year, they played pretty much exactly the way people expected first year post Ben Roethlisberger. I think that with, with Ben retiring, um, I think most, most fans, even prior to drafting Kenny Pickett felt like the team was going to take a step back Um you know, you, you didn't really know what you were going to get. You know, they signed Mitch Trubisky day one of free agency. Um, at that point, there was a lot of speculation. Are they even going to bother to draft a quarterback high in the draft? Or are they so high on Trubisky that they were just going to kind of roll with him? And then when they drafted Pickett, you know, then it became kind of a controversy. Who's going to start? Who's going to play? 
took about three games before the coaches realized they may as well get Pickett out there because the offense wasn't going to move with Trubisky, you know, at quarterback. Um, and and Pickett looked terrible. I mean, he looked terrible in the beginning. <laughs> you know, he was throwing interceptions um, through, you know, through a ton of picks before the bye week. Whatever happened at the bye week, they they sort of righted the ship. Um, Pickett became way more efficient with the football. He didn't throw a ton. He didn't, he didn't throw for any big game. I don't think he had 300-yard passing game all year. Um, but he only threw two interceptions in the second half of the year. Um, Najee Harris kind of recommitted himself to his running style. Uh, Pittsburgh found a way to get Jalen Warren involved in the run game. Uh, they got T.J. Watt back. And and things kind of, I think they kind of outplayed you know, I think what a lot of people expected to still be in the playoff mix last week of the season after the way they started and without Ben Roethlisberger, I, I don't care how diehard you are. That was not something that I think most fans went into the season thinking we're still going to have a chance to make the playoffs the last game of the season. No way. No way. No, that that's that's very so. So if you look at the, the Pickett's first season and for some reason, you know, you know, he he ended up falling up a little, falling a little bit in the draft. You know, depending, like that was, that quarterback situation there in the draft was interesting, though. Didn't it always feel like Kenny Pickett to the Steelers was meant to be? <laughs> yeah, they, they have a pick of destiny every year. You know, they it seems like oh, every oh, year oh, we'll get to that obviously because this year is Joey Porter. <laughs> yeah, well, and and yeah, and last year there were two. I mean, you know, Connor Hayward. You know, had to draft Cam Hayward's brother. You know, had you know, there's just these picks of that are kind of meant to be, and you hope they work. So yeah, no doubt. So after one year, you you saw terrible Kenny Pickett. You saw efficient Kenny Pickett. Does he like? How confident are you that he is the quarterback of the future? I mean, like, we can't say the next Ben Roethlisberger. That's that's completely unfair to put on no. on a guy, but. Is he a guy that you can see the team rolling forward with? He, is he a franchise-style quarterback based on what you've seen just in one season? I have far more confidence in Kenny Pickett than I do our offensive coordinator at this point. <laughs> I, I really think that, that Pickett has skills, um, you know, two or three game-winning drives at the end of the season, kind of took control of the passing game, made some moves. I am not at all convinced that Matt Canada is going to put him in a position to be that guy. I, at least not this year. I think this year it's going to be, we got two good running backs. We beefed up our offensive line. We're going to take all the pressure off Pickett. We're going to make him be kind of a game manager. You know, we're going to run, we're going to run. And then if we need you to throw, we'll have you throw. And I know a lot of fans don't like that mentality anymore. You know, the NFL is geared around points and scoring and the, the AFC North is just stacked with, with quarterbacks and, and playmakers and, uh, you know, a lot of people wonder, are they going to be able to get into a shootout with the Bengals? You know, if they if they kind of hold, take it back schematically, is is he going to be able to be the guy that can come out and throw, you know, go throw for throw with Burrow? I don't know. I don't I don't know that I don't know that the scheme is going to let him do that. Um, but I do have a lot of confidence in him. Um, I think that, you know, I'm I'm an old guy. I've been watching the Steelers a long time. I got no problem with some old school football where they run and, the ball. And that's you know, that's heavy. basically how they started Roethlisberger's career as well. Right. 
Right. They had Zareway and Bettis and, you know, you, you just had all these guys and they just lined it up and rent through off play action and, and did those kinds of things. I'm okay with that if that's what they want to do, but eventually they're going to need him. They're going to fall behind. They're going to need him to make some throws. I think he can make the throws. I just am not sure that Matt Cannon is going to put him in a position and they got plenty of skill players. Um, but is he going to, is he going to be okay with this dink and dunk, you know, jet sweep, zero yardage throws. I, I, I don't, I don't like that personally in today's NFL. I think it's really tough to be consistently successful like that. Um, so I, I have confidence that Kenny Pickett's the quarterback of the future. I'm not at all convinced Matt Canada is the offensive coordinator of the future. So TJ Watt came back from his injury. Um, like the numbers are astounding in terms of win loss. The difference between TJ Watt on the field and TJ TJ Watt not off the field, not on the field. Um, was that was that a big reason for the turnaround towards the end of the season? Is just getting him back on the field. That was huge. That was huge because you know Steelers fans remember Troy Polamalu, and it was kind of the same effect when Troy would get hurt. You know, Troy kind of played with reckless abandon. He'd miss some games with some some injuries, and the whole defense just floundered when he wasn't on the field. You know, they didn't have that guy who could do all those things, and so everybody kind of had to assume different roles, and sometimes they weren't terribly comfortable in those roles, and the whole defense suffered because of it. And I think we saw that last year when T.J. Watt went on IR. You know, Alex Highsmith had a huge year, 14 and a half sacks. He didn't get those sacks when Watt was gone. I think that's kind of a misconception is that he, like, stepped his game up, but he only had three sacks while Watt was out. You know, he benefited from having Watt on the field, not the other way around. He didn't, you know, everybody played better when he was there. The whole defense, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick's role has to change when Watt's not on the field. You know, when he's allowed to, to kind of be that free-roaming safety, he's probably the best in the NFL. When he's not allowed to do that and has to step up and run support and do all those things, he's the whole secondary is not as good. And I think that's what we saw last year was the the impact of not having Watt on the field, you know, I said he's the most, he's the 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 MVP of the team. I mean, he's he's the most, in terms of value, you said it, the numbers bear it out. When he's on the field, they win. When he's not on the field, they don't win. And that's that's the the definition of value when it comes right down to it. I was listening to um, J.J. Watt, who, who retired this offseason after two years with the Cardinals, and he was talking about, well, look, he, obviously the Watt family is an incredibly tight family brotherhood-wise, and and he he said he's had conversation with T.J. because they are all, like, they, for probably lack of it, overtrain in the offseason, yeah. but it's what's got them to the level that they're at. But T.J., he said there's a conversation he has with T.J. to kind of, okay, you might need to, like, what's a little bit better? Do you need to put that extra five pounds on on on, mm-hmm. on your rack there to yeah. to continue to train at that high level? Because that's, you know, J.J. hit, he got, he trained in training club, which got him to that point in his career where he's the best in the NFL for, for several seasons, but he wonders how much of that contributed to... Um, his body breaking down later on his career, right. which is something he'd, right. I, he doesn't want to see happen to his brother. And obviously Steelers fans don't want to see happen to TJ. No, but do you want the best edge in the league for five years? And then his career a little, not quite as long, or do you want like a top 10 edge for seven <laughs> years? You know, that's the trade off. And I think those guys do have that mentality. 
I think Watt wants to be the best for as long as he can. And when he can't be the best, he won't be anymore. I think JJ was kind of the same way. I think he was just going to, I'm going to be the best defensive end in the NFL. And if I can't be, then I'm not, the second on doesn't really matter to me. So, well, and he said, is like, like what I like, if I thought about it now, would I have even listened if someone told me that? Because what I was doing got me to the top of the NFL. So you probably should pull back. But why? This is what got me. (laughs) Why? Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So coming up next on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best our Cardinals talk on the web. Let's move to the offseason. What's happened with the Steelers this offseason and how will they to compete in what is an incredibly competitive AFC North? That's coming up next on Rise Up Sea Red. We're back on the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, the best our Cardinals talk on the web. Uh, talking with Kurt Popejoy from SteelersWire.com. Now moving on to the offseason. Let's talk free agency. Did the Steelers have any big or, or impactful free agent losses and whom did they add to help Pickett and and company? I think the biggest move that most people talk about was was adding Patrick Peterson, that cornerback. Um, you know, I think I think most Steelers fans loved Cameron Sutton. Um, and he was one of the few cornerbacks that the Steelers like drafted and developed and he was he turned into a really good number one for him last year. Um, but he moved on. Um, I think getting Peterson in there was a, a huge move for the secondary as sort of a stopgap, whether it's two years, three years, whatever it may be. Um, you know, they, they, they completely gutted out their inside linebacker depth chart. Um, they had three inside linebackers they rotated through last year. Two of them they didn't even try to re-sign, and one they released. You know, Miles Jack's gone, Devin Bush is gone, Robert Spillane's gone. They brought in two veterans. You know, they brought in Cole Holcomb from Washington and Landon Roberts from the Dolphins. Um, I think it's still probably the weakest position on the team. I'm, I'm not sure they improved that position um, markedly at all. I'd, if Cole Holcomb's foot's completely healed, he's probably more athletic than than Miles Jack. But uh, you know, they're still searching for the next Ryan Shazier. You know, they they have not been able to replace Ryan Shazier since he left. They have tried the draft, they tried free agency, nothing's worked. Um, on offense, you know, they continued to build the offensive line. They brought in Isaac Sumalo um, from the Eagles to play left guard. I think that's huge. I think that ultimately is probably going to be the biggest free agent move they made. Um, I think he really solidifies the offensive line, gives them a really strong interior offensive line. You know, they added some other pieces, Allen Robinson, wide receiver, give him kind of that veteran guy to, to work with the younger receivers, play some slot receiver, um, allow Deontay Johnson to move inside some, um, but yeah, you know, it was busy. You know, this was Omar Khan's kind of first, first full off season as a as the general manager. You know, that that strange situation last year where he was hired as the GM, but Kevin Colbert chose not to resign until after the draft. So it was it was a really weird situation. You know, he didn't get to get to have a full off season. And I mean, this year they've been really aggressive, and they've they've made moves and they've brought in guys. Um, yeah, you know, it's one of those situations where I think that they targeted their areas that they knew they needed to upgrade. I think in their mind, they did upgrade those positions. Remains to be seen whether or not, you know, getting Marcus Golden as a as a third outside linebacker, as a pass rusher, I think that was huge. I think late in the offseason, that was big. I, I was really, really hoping they would add a veteran. Um, 
And again, that's another position where they've struggled to find that third edge rusher. They, they've tried veterans and the veterans have failed. It just hasn't worked. Um, I'm very excited about having Marcus Golden on the team. I think he sounds like he's saying all the right things. He's okay with being a rotational guy. He's going to, he's happy playing behind Watt and Highsmith and, and, that can only help because the Steelers had their worst year rushing the passer they've had in about seven years. So um, I'm, I'm good with that one too. You know, they, they sprinkled in four or five guys that I think are going to start and I think are going to play well for them. I think the, you know, underrated um, Keanu Neal, the safety they brought in um, another guy that I think a lot of, a lot of people weren't really thinking about safety as a need. Sounds like he's going to get, some pretty serious reps. I mean, the way he talks and he can, he can provide some versatility. So I'm, I'm good with that. Anything that can make, make a, make a Fitzpatrick's job easier and give him more freedom. You know, I'm, I'm all for that. So yeah, they, they've made some moves in free agency, probably the busiest off season they've had in a long time in terms of free agency. Patrick Peterson is, is an interesting guy. Obviously he played a decade with the Cardinals and what we saw at the end of his Cardinals career is that, he could be. He could still be that guy, but not. The, the heck, his ceiling was still the same ceiling it always was, but the floor dropped, and there were games that he looked bad. Yeah. He's whether it's um, maybe it was the different schematic change going to Mike Zimmer's defense uh, early, or going to to the Vikings and 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 that defensive scheme. It was obviously Zimmer first that was there, and he kind of. He he kind of reinvented himself. I don't know if it's a reinvent or or just being put in better positions rather than be the you know you play cat defense you put, you cover that cat the whole game which yeah. he did most of the time in Arizona he 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 right. take on the number one receiver follow him around the field but do do fans still view Patrick Peterson as do they view him as a top guy or as a really good complimentary piece right I think that I think that's what they're looking at I think they're looking at him honestly I think a lot of fans are excited about his ability to come in and kind of mentor the young guys that they brought in I think that that you know with with the draft I know we're going to talk about the draft a little bit um Pittsburgh made some moves to kind of build for the future at cornerback and I think that Peterson seems excited about the idea of of working with these guys he's also during mini camp he spent some time at safety Mm-hmm. Um, that, I think that, that felt with, inevitable based on his size when he entered the league. Um, yeah. but, and, and even if, as a few years ago, he was open to the possibility of playing yeah. some safety. But uh, I think at this point of his career, he, he'd make a, a fantastic safety if he, um, if he is willing to tackle, cause that's not one of his things. Right, right. That's what, <laughs> that's what, you know, it's always, that's always kind of been a thing that's hung over his head for all his skills. He was never... Like Never he can do it, but he avoid he, he's not a willing tackler usually. He makes he makes a lot of business decisions out there on the field. So yeah, yeah. We Steelers have had defensive backs like that before making business decisions out there when it comes to tackling running backs. So I get that, but you know the Steelers still have Levi Wallace on the team, who's a really good cornerback, and I think that they're going to try to figure out ways to get him on the field. And I think seeing Peterson play some safety is probably where they're going to get some of that. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody thinks. You know, I don't think this is a. Uh, I, I, I had a lot of fans reach out to me. Is this the? Is this a Joe Hayden move? Like when they added Joe Hayden a few years back. I don't think Peterson's got as much left as Hayden did when he came to Pittsburgh. And I think if if fans are expecting six years out of Peterson, 
the way Hayden played, they're probably going to be disappointed. I don't expect that. But I think, he, you know, he originally said he wanted to play two more years. Um, I think if they can get two years out of him, move him between corner and safety and give Joey Porter and Corey Trice time to, to learn the game and get better, um, I think it's a win. I think it's an absolute win. Let's move on to the draft. Um, personally, I did like a lot of their I love like there are a lot of picks I really like especially the t- the first four uh Broderick Jones uh in the first round um incredible like he's he's exciting um he might be the most athletic he's a freak Joey Porter the the destiny pick obviously you go from having you know it, his dad played ma- made a career basically made a name for himself in the NFL with oh, the Steelers he's a legend yeah, yeah. Keno Benton Unvary, like I really liked him as an interior defensive player, and Darnell Washington, that tight end out of Georgia. If he can stay healthy, like what he did at the combine, like he's a guy you know he can block, but he's got some very underrated. He's got some very underrated catch skills that were underutilized at Georgia. So, give us give us your take. I'd ran through the first four picks, but what are your expectations for which of these players? are going to contribute uh, who might have important roles in year one and which are more future picks? Well, I think, I think you kind of nail, I think Roderick Jones, I, I know they're the, the Steelers are trying to be very diplomatic with Dan Moore at left tackle, but his days are numbered. I mean, the future is Broderick Jones and the future at left tackles this year. I, I know that during mini camp, they split reps and, and they, you know, they tried to, you know, they don't want to just tell Dan you're done. I mean, even though he said in an interview, you get it when it, when they use a first round pick on a guy that plays your spot, you get it. <laughs> it, it it's part you know? of it. It's like DJ Humphreys over here in Arizona. Like he's like, yeah, I don't I don't care. None of them's beat me yet. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, and and you know, Moore came in as a as a fourth or fifth round pick and was pushed into the starting lineup as a rookie when Zach Banner couldn't play late in the off season and he played admirably. He really did. His first year, he did everything you could ask of a guy who probably didn't think until August he was going to play any football that year. And so I got I got no criticisms of Dan Moore. He just didn't come along. You know, he just last year he wasn't he didn't improve. He still too many penalties, um, you know, too many sacks allowed. So I get it. I get it. I still think he probably has a a spot on the team, you know, he can play both sides. So that helps. Um, he's young, but I think that Jones is, is the guy that's, that's going to come in. You know, he, he, he's in a great position. Cause like I said earlier, talking about free agency, um, with, with a, a new left guard, who's a veteran and a really great player, he's going to have somebody right next to him who can help him mentor him. And then you draft his blocking teammate in Darnell Washington. And we've already seen video of those guys at minicamp, like, like doing combo blocks on people and just plowing people over at minicamp already. And so it's like, okay, we get it. You know, Washington's raw. He's, he's raw as a route runner, but they're going to figure out ways to get him out there as like a sixth offensive lineman. You know, they want to run the ball. He's going to be on the field. Fortunately, Pittsburgh has a couple of really good tight ends. So there's no rush on Washington to make him part of the passing game. So I like that. Um, I like Benton. I, I think, you know, he said after the draft that 
Mike Tomlin told him he drafted him to be a bully in the middle of the defensive line, and I think that's a good way to characterize his play style. Yeah. But Pittsburgh hasn't had a bully in a while. Um, you got to go back to to like Dan McClendon to find the last guy on the team that really kind of pushed people around in there. Um, they've had a lot of athletic guys. You know, Pittsburgh's always been this team that has tried to find kind of clones of one another on the defensive line so they can play them inside, outside. And, you know, you've got to probably go back to Casey Hampton to find the last really big nose that they had on the roster. And so I like, I like having Bitten in there. I think he's going to be part of a rotation. You know, they brought in Braden Fioco. They've got Montrevious Adams. I think he'll be a nice, nice rotational guy. Um, you know, obviously Joey Porter, he's the, he's one of the stories of the draft fell out of the first round, got him at number 32, um, was sitting at the draft and didn't get taken and, you know, all those sorts of things, but he's, he's shining at camp, you know, just an athletic freak uh, they're going to, they're going to figure out a way to get him on the field. I think the kid that's going to kind of surprise is Corey Trice, the cornerback from Purdue that they got later in the draft. Physically, he's pretty much a match for Porter. Um, you know, he's kind of coming in with a chip on his shoulder, felt like he should have been drafted earlier. So I really like him for the future. Um, I like Nick Herbig as a as a linebacker for the future. I'm still not convinced he's not going to move inside at some point. Um, I'm not sure he's got the build to hold up on the outside with what Pittsburgh asks of their outside linebackers. But again, they signed his brother Nate in the offseason as a free agent, so you got to draft Nick. I mean, that's just, you know, <laughs> it's, it's remarkable to me how they how Pittsburgh line all this synergy. You know, I'm still shocked that they haven't re-signed Derek Watt. You know, they, they, they're kind of letting Derek Watt leave. I figured they, that TJ had something in his contract that says, as long as I'm here, you got to keep my brother on the team. But anyway. Oh, I, I um, mean, there's another level to that. Maybe that, like if he doesn't get signed. Yeah, because you've got the oh. the the T.J. Watt ring. I mean, the J.J. Watt Ring of Honor game for the St- for the Texans when the Steelers are in yeah. town. That was on purpose because T.J.'s oh, there. Yeah. And, and <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and and the, the to even take the conspiracy a step deeper, the maybe the reason Derek Watt hasn't been signed is because they're going to move Cam Hayward's brother Connor to fullback this year. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just. You know, I mean, they've talked about he's talked about playing going back to playing like a hybrid, like an H back role. Well, Pittsburgh always carried a true fullback. Maybe they're not going to carry a fullback because Cam Hayward's brother is going to have that spot on the roster. So, oh yeah, it's it's just layers <laughs> and layers to, to everything. So, but yeah, I love the draft. I think it was strong. Um, you know, we didn't talk about Spencer Anderson, athletic interior lineman. I think he's a project guy. Um, but you know, he's a he's a Maryland kid. Tomlin loves his Maryland guys, so I'm wasn't surprised to see them bring bring one in. Um, but yeah, I think overall it was a great draft. I think you got about three guys going to play a lot this year. And I think you've got about six guys that are probably going to be, be in the lineup in the next couple of years. So yeah, there, you know, I think as they start to transition some older guys out, you're going to see those guys play a lot more. The Joey Porter pick. There are some that, that don't love, don't love him. Um, but I think He's an athletic freak, which who doesn't have he he reminds me he's like the cornerback version of DK Metcalf in my opinion, where some of like the th- some of the things you want the hip movement the the change of direction those are not his strong suits, but DK Metcalf is one heck of a player and that might end up being and the NFL bloodlines and all that but 
Well, you know, we've only got let, let's 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 move on to the last. So coming up next to the Rise Up Sea Podcast, best of our Cardinals talk on the web. Let's wrap this up talking about the upcoming twenty twenty three season. What are expectations, high end, low end, and how do they see the Cardinals in twenty twenty three? That's coming up next on Rise Up Sea Red. They're back on the Rise Up Sea Red Podcast, best of our Cardinals talk on the web. Um twenty twenty three. The AFC North is tough. You've got the Bengals, you with Joe Burrow, the team that has been on the top of the conference, more or less. Um, Lamar Jackson returns to to the Ravens, and they're when he's playing, they're good. You've yep. got Deshaun Watson and the Browns um, that expect to be a playoff team. That that is sort of the expectations they have as an organization. And you've got the Steelers with Pickett, and and they're still relevant. The Steelers are never bad, but what are the hopes and expectations for this year? What what is what what is what fans expect out of this team in twenty twenty three? I think they expect them to go to the playoffs. I, I think they I think they absolutely coming that close last year. I absolutely think Steelers fans want to see ten wins, playoffs. Maybe not the division. I they I think even the most delusional fans understand that that's Cincinnati's division, um, and everybody else is playing for second. I think Pittsburgh fans recognize they've had great success against Lamar Jackson, so they can they can handle them. And the Browns are win every off season. You know they are the best <laughs> team on paper every year, but they always find a way to not you know, not make it happen when it comes to the regular season. And I think Steelers fans look at that and go, second place in a wild card is ours, is ours to take at this point. And I think that's I think that's the expectation. I think the bigger picture for them is they want to see Pittsburgh win a playoff game. You know, it's it's been a long time since Pittsburgh. 2016 is a long time in in your playoff life when you're a team that constantly is 500 or above 500. They want to see Pittsburgh win a playoff game this year. And I think that's the, the ultimate goal it for for Steelers fans is is they are sort of souring on just being close every year and I think that's what they're expecting what do you think uh, aside from a major injury say to DJ Watt to, to to Kenny Pickett what do you think their floor their reasonable floor as a team this year I think eight wins. I think if they, I think if they struggle, you know, they're putting a lot of young guys in in big spots this year. Um, and I think, I think eight wins. You know, that would be the first time Tomlin finishes under five hundred in his coaching career. Um, but going through the schedule, when I did my predictions, I think I had him picked to go go get ten. I think, but I think eight wins is probably the floor. Uh, I mean, I think 10, 10 to 11 wins would be be huge. And the Cardinals go to Pittsburgh in December. That's not that's not an ideal time to play Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could mean we, we assume at that point by week 13, Kyler Murray will be back and will probably be play, will be fully recovered at that point. Uh, right. I anticipate him getting back about week six. That's my personal uh, prediction. How do, based on perception, how is that Cardinals game perceived? A team that is largely considered the worst in the league playing in, in Pittsburgh. Is that a game that most say, yeah, that's a win? Um, do they see it as a potential upset? Or is that, like, I'm not even going to go to the other route to say, um, is it a tough game? No, it's probably not a tough game on paper. 
not on paper, but I think Steelers have traditionally struggled against athletic quarterbacks, and I think that that Kyler Murray presents a huge challenge if he's healthy and he's playing well. I, I think that that's always been, even in December, I mean, obviously if the dumps a bunch of snow on the field or whatever, kind of a neutralizer for that athleticism, but um, I think that that ultimately Pittsburgh fans look at games like this and go, yeah, that's a game we should win easily. So there's a real good chance we could lose. <laughs> you know, uh, unfortunately, that's kind of been Tomlin's MO. Once or twice a year, they absolutely come out flat in a game they should win easily. And I think late in the year, a lot of it's going to depend on what they've got to play for at that point. You know, unfortunately, you take on the mindset of your coaches and – if there's still something on the line, I think that's a different matter than if there isn't anything on the line for them. Um, and a lot of it has to do with where the Cardinals are at that point. If the Cardinals are, I mean, I'm, I don't know, you know, projection wise, you know, six wins, eight wins, whatever for Arizona. But if they're coming off a win and they're coming in with some momentum, I've seen lots of teams come into Pittsburgh and play with better energy um, when they probably have no business doing it. And so I take nothing for granted. I've been a Steelers fan for way too long. I take nothing for granted. I've seen them win games they had no business winning and lose games that they should have won so much under Mike Tomlin. You know, you just, at least I can say Bill Cower, when he was the head coach, he lost the games he should lose and he won the games he should win. And Mike Tomlin, it's a mystery every single week. <laughs> awesome. Um, so with that, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Kurt, obviously, those of you who are listening, uh, you can find Kurt's work at SteelersWire.com. It's one of our of our sister sites on, on the at USA Today NFL Wire. Kurt, are you on social media at all? I, I know, you know, when people ask me this on other shows, I'm like, I mean, if you want to follow Cardinals content, you can find me here. But maybe yeah. there's a few yeah. listeners out there that want to get to know the Steelers or just see what's out there. Uh, let us know. Let, let my listeners know how they can follow you other than just Steelers wire. Yeah, you can go on Twitter. I'm at, at Kurt Popejoy SW. I mean, I don't, I don't tweet a ton, so I, that's not my thing. I'm, I don't, I don't tweet a whole lot. I'm more just a reader, but yeah, I'm, I, and it's not always football, so I'm not for everybody. So don't, don't <laughs> All right. That's the well, Kurt, I really appreciate your time. This has been uh, our opponent preview about the Pittsburgh Steelers whom the Cardinals play week 13 on the road. Um, Kurt, thank you so much for your time. That'll wrap up this edition hey, of the Rise of Sea Red podcast. We will be back again very soon with yet another opponent preview. Thanks for listening as always. All right. Come on. <laughs> I get it. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise Up Red Sea, Be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up sea red.